When I say I love my church, I don't mean it because it's mine, but because of ours, right? I love this church. My name is Bethany, and, and if you've heard me speak before, you know I love church. I always have. When I was a little kid, I loved church. My dad, he would um, he was a children's pastor, so you know he was always there really early or there on Saturdays or whatever, and I would beg my mom, let me go, Dad, Judd, please. No, I'm going to be good. I'm going to help you. Now I have kids. So I, now I'm like, why did he let me go? But he, he always did. He would let me tag along. And I love church. But you know what? I love this church. I love our church. Do you guys love your church? Yeah. I love this church. We're starting a new series today, and it's called I Love My Church. And guess what, church? Next week, if you come back, you get one of these shirts isn't that awesome? Everyone, everyone who comes next week, you're going to get an I Love My Church. You can wear it every single day. Someday you should wash it, but you know, you're just going to wear it thin and you know, by next month you'll be like, I wore it 31 days. I need a new one. Even the little kids, even the babies are getting them. I know, I know. Think about those onesies and those babies. Yes, this is a fun church to be part of. If this is your first time, man, you won't want it to be your last time, because we do. We love church. You know, um, uh, Jake and I, we had the opportunity in May to go down to Palm Springs. It's a few different towns down there, Palm Desert area. And if you've never been down there, it is a very interesting place. And um, this was actually our second time being there. The first time um, was like five years earlier or something, I don't know irrelevant. And uh, we had gone with all of Jake's family. And so uh, what you basically, you drive all the way down I-5, you get to LA, and then right at the northern part of LA, you start heading east. And, um, you know, LA is basically the last time you're going to see civilization. That is, if you consider LA to be civilization. And um, so you head over, you head over there, and, you know, it's just bizarre. There is nothing out there. It is desert right? I'm from Southern Oregon. Not originally, I'm from California, but I lived in Southern Oregon, and there's a place in Southern Oregon called White City. It's a very interesting place. It's called White City in its name. It is actually not a city. Um, I don't know what it is. Unincorporated. Unincorporated, whatever that means, but White City and their claim to fame, number one, their, their theme. I hope no one's we're going to listen to this from there. But they're like, their theme is a great place to live. This is not true. It says it on their signs when you drive in and you're like, you're lying to everyone on this highway. But, but their claim to fame is that they're the smallest desert in the world. But it's an organ. It doesn't look like a desert, right? Um, but down here, when you're driving to Palm Desert, it looks like desert. It's like stereotypical white sand everywhere. You know, at one point we were driving and this big, huge um, tumbleweed went across the freeway. Like, hello, this only happens in movies, you know, but a tumbleweed went across the freeway. And the, the first time we went down there, we, um, we were carpooling with Jake's brother, Gino, and none of us had ever been there, but the rest of Jake's family, they had been there before. And so we were going to meet them in, in this area, and, and they, had, they were in San Diego, and they were like, it's amazing. We're going to have so much fun in Palm Desert. It's so awesome. You guys are going to love it. So we do this really fun, like, you know, 27-hour car ride. I don't know. I think it's like 14 or 17 or 
800. I have no idea. We had a toddler in the car, so it was like 48 hours to get there. And the reason we did that is because, you know, some people use airplanes. But um, I find when you're going on vacation, it's really fun to push your body to the limits of, of being in, trapped in a car with a toddler for, you know, 20 hours. That way when you get there, you're really ready to relax. You're not stressed or in pain or anything like that. But we, we pull into Palm Desert and we had beat the rest of his family there. So all of us in this car, we'd never been there. And, and it's just beautiful. You come around this bend and you see all these just thousands of wind turbines, which are just pretty incredible. And, you know, you've never seen anything really like it. And then you go around another bend and there's just huge mountains. They literally just right up against the city. And they're not like our Oregon mountains. They don't have anything green on them at all. They're just like these brown mountains, but they're just huge right there and it's gorgeous and then lining the streets is palm trees everywhere and I mean there's no greater way to know that you're in California right then you see those palm trees and so we pulled in and, and but it was getting weird we had the air conditioner on full blast and it was like doing nothing it was barely taking a dent off we're like sweating in the car and we're like what is this place? We've driven hours to get here. And now that we're here, the temperature was reading 127 degrees Fahrenheit. We're like, what is this? Why are we here? We accidentally drove into hell. <laughs> so we, we pull into the place where we're, where we're getting these, these condos and, and we pull in and the guy's kind of strange and the place is kind of strange. And, um, but it was cheap. And so... You know, the guy's like, he's like, we're like, what is this place? You know, we're like getting out of the car and we're like, what is this place? And he's like, isn't it great? I don't know, really. So not so sure. And then he's like, hey, guys, grab some of these newspapers. You got to put them underneath your windshield wipers. Otherwise, they'll melt to the car. <laughs> why are we here? Me and Jake and Gino, we're like looking at each other. We're like, why did we come here? They tricked us. This is the craziest place, but it really is. It's amazing. It's totally relaxing because you literally can't do anything. You're like, let's, let's walk to a restaurant. No, I give up. <laughs> Bring the food here. I can't walk it. I can't make it. When you get in the pool, there is no shock value whatsoever. When you get out of the pool, you dry immediately. You don't need towels. I mean, you're good. But it's a wonderful place. And there's palm trees everywhere. And you know, the Bible talks about, it compares many times Christians to palm trees. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today, is how we are like a palm tree. Did you know that palm trees can grow up to 127 feet? Isn't that incredible? I just think that's the coolest thing. I love palm trees. They're so unique. They're so cool. In Psalms 92... Verse 12 through 15, it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I love this passage. The righteous flourish. How many of you guys have wanted to flourish? I want to flourish. So many times in my life, especially Monday mornings, right, where you're like, I'm not flourishing. 
I am barely surviving, right? And you're getting another cup of coffee. I don't know why Mondays are like this, but they just are, right? But how do we flourish like a palm tree? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. The first way that palm trees flourish is palm trees are always green. Now here, right in in Oregon, we have distinct seasons, which I love. Isn't it awesome? We have summer. You guys, some of you guys are like, I'm done with summer. I don't want it anymore. Raise your hand if you are done with summer. Raise your hand if you're like me and you're like, summer could go on for years. Yeah, thank you. I love summer. It's the best. But um, you know, it's it's great to have seasons. And what happens here in the fall? All of the leaves fall, right? The leaves they turn into their brilliant reds, their oranges, and their browns. And then they fall to the ground. But that's not the way palm trees are. Palm trees, it doesn't matter what season it is, spring, winter, fall, summer, they're always green. They're evergreens. They don't change. No matter what season is going on around them, palm trees stay green. And you know, as Christians, this is the same way that we are supposed to be. It doesn't matter what season that we're in. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. We're to be ever full of joy. Did you know joy is a uniquely Christian emotion? It's not something that happens anywhere else. Why? Because joy comes from Jesus. Joy doesn't have to do with what's going on in your life. It doesn't have to do with your circumstances. It doesn't have to do if it's a Monday or a Friday. Christians, we are supposed to always be full of joy. And that is how we, one of the ways that we can flourish like palm trees is when our joy is found in Jesus alone. You look at people and you're like, how are you so happy, right? Look at your life. Have you guys met these people, you know, and they're Christians and they always have faith and you're like, look at what's going on. You should like frown sometimes, you know. Well, how, how are you so happy? Why? They know my joy is in Jesus. It has nothing to do with the season that I'm in. My joy is found in Jesus. You know, Jake and I, after we'd been married a, um, about five years or four years, I don't know, it was a long time, we didn't have kids. <laughs> we told people, you know, as soon as you get married, everyone asks you, when are you going to have kids? You're like, I don't know, maybe never. Wouldn't that be a surprise, right? But, um, but um, yeah, people, you know, would always ask us, and we always thought, well, maybe we'll wait like three years. And we got to that three-year point, and we were like, maybe we'll wait three more, right? I don't know. Life's pretty great without them. Life's pretty great with them, okay, too. But, you know, the first, the first time that, that I was pregnant, I actually had a miscarriage. And so Jake and I, it, it really affected both of us a lot. And we were so sad. We really, really deeply mourned the loss of this baby that we were expecting to meet, expecting to kiss their face, expecting to, to teach them, to, to um, you know, show them how to grow up, right? Expecting them to, to be adults. And so we really, we mourned, we really grieved the loss of this baby. And, you know, it was really a, a silent grief because nobody knew that, that I had been pregnant. And so it was just a really tough time in our life. At the same time, Jake, he uh, was the, a worship, the worship pastor at the church that we had been at. And our entire marriage, he had been the worship pastor. So we never worshiped together, right? He was always on stage and I was always not. And, um... So, but he had just been in the process of developing all these new worship leaders. And so we had a weeknight service, a Wednesday night service at this church. And um, he was actually standing next to me. And it had been about a month that he had not led worship on a Wednesday night. And so it was so weird. It was like, 
oh, who are you? Hi, what's your name? Oh, I'm Drake. Oh, I'm Bethany, right? Nice to worship next to you, right? You had to, you had to get our space, you know? Like, I'm used to no one being here, so, like, I get crazy and wild. And he's like, hey, back off, you know? You hit me in the stomach. Too bad, it's for the Lord, you know? That's, that's when he found out I was tone deaf and I had no rhythm. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, why did I marry this person? I'm teasing. But, you know, we, we, got, we got used to actually just worshiping next to each other. And I remember it had been about a month after this thing had happened, and we just... We just didn't have a lot of happiness in our life. We were just grieving. We were working through some hard stuff. And I remember during this worship service, this man, he came up to us and just tapped us on the shoulder and he said, man, the last couple weeks, I've been standing behind you guys and watching you worship and it's just been blessing me so much. You guys, you have so much joy. I love watching you worship. You guys just really love God. And Jake and I are like surprised because we're thinking, how do we have joy? We're not happy, right? We're heartbroken. This, this guy doesn't know that, you know? And um, Jake just said to him, he's like, man, thanks. Just, we've been actually having a really hard month, so that's really encouraging that, you, that you're saying that, you know? But why could we have joy? And how can you have joy? You say, my life is a mess. How am I supposed to flourish like a palm tree? How am I supposed to have my joy rooted in Jesus? What that means is that every day, it doesn't matter what's happening in my life. I have joy because Jesus has saved me, because he has redeemed me, because I can wake up every day and know that God's mercies for me are new every single morning, right? That's what my joy is rooted in. That's how we stay evergreen like a palm tree. The second one is that palm trees, they grow in the sand, They grow in the sand, but they don't feed from the sand. You guys have seen the cartoons, right? I remember those old cartoons, and they would always end up in the desert. And the cartoon character would be walking through miles and miles of sand, and they would start hallucinating, you know, and seeing mirages. Why? Because there's nothing out there. There's no life. There's no water. There's no food. So how do these palm trees make it? How do they grow so tall? How do they do it? The reason is their root system. They don't, um, like normal roots, they start large and then they go smaller. But palm trees don't do that. Their roots stay the same size as far down as they go. And what palm trees do, even though they're living in the sand, they don't get their nutrients from the sand. They dig deep and they they find nutrients. They find water and they find good soil. That's what palm trees do. In the same way as Christians, we live in this world but we don't get our food from this world. We don't get our life from this world. Our life is in Jesus. Our life comes from Jesus. We, we don't feed on this world. You know, in your life, if you say, man, I, I'm like starving. I'm thirsty. I'm dehydrated. I don't have the right nutrients. It's hard for me to make it week to week. Your life is probably planted in the wrong thing. If, if all I do every day is feed on Instagram or I feed on the news or I feed on my coworkers or I feed on anything that's rooted to this earth, then I'm not going to get the nutrients that I need because my life needs to be planted in Jesus. I need to feed off of the word of God. In John 1, it says that Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's talking about Jesus. Somehow, we don't totally understand it, right? But these are the words of Jesus, and this is how we have life. 
when we feed off of the Bible, when we read our Bible, when we're planted in our Bible. That's where we get our nourishment. The third thing, how does a palm flourish? You know, palms, they don't break in storms. When hurricanes go through places, they go down, and there's just absolute destruction from hurricanes, right? The wind, it just comes, and it will break trees. It breaks houses. It moves cars. It just breaks everything in its path. And yet, after a storm, they'll go into these places, and the palm trees are still standing. They're like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) Didn't you hear there was a storm coming through here? And it's actually incredible. Do you know palm trees, during winds, they can literally move all the way horizontal. All the way horizontal. You know, we had a tree move all the way horizontal on top of our house this last winter. It was unfortunate because after the storm left, it didn't go back up, right? A palm tree, after the storm is done, after the winds die down, they'll they'll just completely go right back up how they are. It's just incredible. And in fact, scientists have studied palm trees and have found out that palm trees that have been through storms are literally stronger than they were before the storm, which you would think since everything else is destroyed, you would be weaker. And yet palm trees that make it through storms are stronger than they were before the storm. And in the same way, that's how we are as Christians that it doesn't matter the winds that come, the storms of life. Everybody else might be falling apart all around you. And yet as Christians, we don't fall apart. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Where do you place your hope? Because if you place your hope in your job, you're going to break. If you place your hope in your family, you're going to break. If you place your hope in the economy, you're going to break, right? But if we place our hope in Jesus, no matter what storms come, we will not bend. We will not break. You know, that song that we sing today, I love it. You you are good. You are good, right? And you're never going to let me down. I love that song because when, when I see people singing that song and they raise their hands and some people, you look at them and you think, man, in, when I look at your life, it does seem like maybe God has let you down. You've been through hard things. You've had storms come. You've, ha- you've walked through difficult things and yet you can stand here and raise your hands and say, you are good. Why? Because they know their hope is rooted in Jesus. It's not rooted in anything else. That storms come in their life, and yet they know the hope of my life is Jesus Christ. The hope of my life is the King of Kings. We are not moved when the storms come. You know, it says in Psalms 92, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And then the next verse, they are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. You see, it's not only one thing to grow up and to be a flourishing palm tree, but then it goes on and it says, the palm tree just doesn't need to just be anywhere. The palm tree has a specific place, and that place is to be planted in the house of God. It's to be planted in the church. That is God's vehicle. This is his house. This is his place. And we think, that's so weird because on Tuesday night, I ate popcorn here. And I watched a movie I probably shouldn't have watched. I'm teasing. That wasn't me. I was with my children. But 
right? But it doesn't matter the actual building because we are the church, his people. And that's where we're called to be planted. We're called to be people that will put our roots down into a house of God and say, this is where I live. This is where my roots will go down deep. This is the center of the house and this is where I'm gonna go. Isn't that incredible? That's what we are called to do. You know, when, when you see palm trees, it's always in one of those tropical climates, right? That's where palm trees are supposed to be. That's where they go. We can go to Alaska and we can search for a palm tree, but it's going to be pretty rare. And Christians who don't go to church, who aren't planted in a church, you might make it. But it's like putting a palm tree in Alaska. You probably won't. You might. Maybe try harder, be stronger, but why not flourish? Why not be planted where you go in the house of God? Be planted in God's house and you can flourish there. You definitely will flourish. It's not, it's not an odds thing. A tree can only be transplanted so many times. It can only be uprooted so many times. Why? Because God has called us to be planted. He's called us to be planted. Are you planted? The fourth way that a palm flourishes is palms are used to recognize royalty. You know, in biblical times, uh, this was especially true. When, when a high official or, or even a, a person of royalty would come into a town, one of the things that the people would do is they would cut down the palm branches and they would put the palm branches literally on the ground for the royalty to be able to step on. Or they would wave them at the royalty. And we see this displayed in every single one of the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we hear this story of Jesus. He tells his disciples, he says, go into Jerusalem. And there you're going to find a donkey. Or is it a colt? I don't know. An animal. The beast. And it is tied onto a tree. And you're gonna, it, no one has ever ridden it. You're going to go into that town. It's on this tree. Go and get it and bring it here. And, and then he says, and if anyone asks you, why are you stealing my donkey? Just tell them, my master has need of it, right? And so the disciples, they did this. They went and they got the animal and they brought it to Jesus. And this donkey had never been ridden. And so they threw their cloaks on top of it. You know, their, what they were wearing, they threw it literally on top. And Jesus got on to the animal. And then he, he, was, he rode this into Jerusalem. And what happened? Jesus was not royalty, he wasn't a high official, and yet all the people in this town recognize this man is not a normal man. There's something different about this person. It was from the words that he spoke. It says over and over in the gospel that when he spoke, they recognized that he had an authority. And it was from the miracles that he did and the people gathered and they began to throw their own cloaks off their back and put them on the ground and they began to cut down branches of palm trees and put them on the ground and Jesus rode across them and they were celebrating Jesus coming. And most of you guys know this is called Palm Sunday and it was that next Friday that they actually crucified and killed Jesus. But what were they doing? They were saying, this is no ordinary man. This is the son of God. This is royalty. This is the only true king. Our greatest call as Christians is to end up as a palm tree at the feet of Jesus. 
We live this life and we say, God, help me to grow strong. Help me to flourish. Help me to find my joy in you. Help me to find my life in you. Help me to find my hope in you. And our greatest call is to say, but also, God, my life is for you. My life is for you. Paul, we see this so eloquently displayed in Philippians 2.17. He's writing to the church and he says to them, Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. What was Paul saying in the Old Testament when, when, when the people, when they would do sin and when they would do different things, they would have to offer sacrifices. And most of the time, these sacrifices were animals and they would bring them to the priest and the priest would put them onto the altar, aka the barbecue, right? And they would put them onto there and the, the meat would cook and then the priest actually could eat some of the meat. But then there was also this offering and it was called a drink offering. A drink offering is very interesting because what happens when you pour a liquid onto a barbecue? It's gone. It evaporates. There's nothing left over, right? There's nothing to show for it. And that's what Paul is comparing his life to and saying that if God chooses that my life would just be an offering to him, that it gets poured out and there's nothing left, there's nothing to show, then I will be glad. And that is what every single one of us as Christians, that's what our heart cry should be, that God, would you use me? Would you be the kind of God that would just use my life? And even if you choose that you would pour it out and there's nothing left, I will still be glad because you are royalty and I cut down my palms to lay at your feet. That is how palm trees flourish. Jake said in a powerful statement last week, he said the most powerful proclamation of the gospel is his church. The most powerful proclamation of the gospel is God's church. And how do we become that powerful proclamation? It's when every single one of us say, God, make me into a palm tree where my joy is found in you, where my hope is found in you, where my life is found in you, and my life is for you, where I have no greater call than to lay down my life for you, God. You know, when, as we mature as Christians, when we're, when we're immature Christians, which it's okay if you're in that place, there's, I'm still in that place. There's no problem with that. We are where we are, and it doesn't have to do with age. There's really young, mature Christians, and there's really old, mature Christians. But when we're immature Christians, our prayers are mostly about us, right? Help me, God. Fix me. Save me. Why am I like this? Please, you got to help me again. I did it again. Could you help me? Please, God, would you help me? Right? And it's immature because we're begging God, will you help me? But as we mature, as we keep walking with God, we get to a place where we say, God, would you use me? Can you use me? I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. My life is not for me. My life is for you. And when a church rises up and says, this is who we are, we're people and we're sold out. We'll do what he wants. We'll do what he says. That is powerful. That is powerful. And my daughter, she's five years old, and, and she watches the Disney Channel, and 
they have this song right now that they do. It's like a music video with all the princesses that you could ever imagine. So it's like right up her alley. And, and all these princesses are singing and singing the song. And then it clips to little girls just like her singing the song. And literally, you can see Evie who just like pride builds up. Like something like wind beneath her wings happens when this song comes on. I'm not kidding. If you know my daughter, you know I am not kidding. It's like, it's like she gets new life when this song comes on. And what is it saying? It's saying... The world's going to know your name, or the world's going to know my name. That's what all these little girls are singing. And, and Evie just sings this all, the, all day long after she hears it. The world's going to know my name. And you know, you know that is Evie's number one dream, <laughs> that the world will know her name. And the other day I was laughing when that song was on. So I was like, man, that's the exact opposite of my life's dream. I don't want the world to know my name. And as Christians, we don't care about the world knowing my name. We care about the world knowing the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That he is the King of Kings. That he is the Son of God. That at the name of Jesus, captives are free. That at the name of Jesus, addiction falls. That at the name of Jesus, marriages can be restored. That at the name of Jesus, prodigal sons and daughters will come home. That at the name of Jesus, salvation will come to Eugene. That is the power of the name of Jesus. And our life goal is not to be people that say, oh, if only the world would know the name of Bethany. No, it's if only the world would know your name, Jesus. Can I be a vessel that you can use to spread your gospel throughout Eugene, throughout my neighborhood? Wherever you call me, I'll go. That's when we flourish.